Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We have a woman with us today who has so much brilliance to share with us, and in a way that most women would not think of themselves as being brilliant, but she has so much that that I want to get into. And um, I met her through uh, a LinkedIn and her story is amazing. So I want to welcome Cheryl Ecton with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here with you both. So Cheryl, we were just talking and laughing a few minutes before we started here. <laughs> Cheryl is the founder and uh, grand poobah of Elite Building Building Services, which is it's nationwide, right? Well, we're not nationwide. We're in 19 states, mostly up and down the East Coast. Okay, so. well, we're going to give you nationwide just because it sounds really good. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you're going to get there. We're heading that way. You're heading that way. We're but the brilliance, the brilliant part of all of this is that Cheryl is the founder, CEO, everything else of a cleaning service, which, as we said, when we first started before we got on air, is probably not the dream of most girls coming out of the womb. So tell us a little bit about your story, how you got there. And I'm anxious to get into this conversation. Well, I'll try to condense my life down for this um, interview. But um, I'll tell you, I, I got married very young, right out of high school. I was 17 years old and wow. shocking, oh I know. Um, but my husband was moving to another state and uh, we kind of rushed things and got married, moved into the Baltimore, D.C. area. And then after about a year and a half, we moved back, wanted to be closer to home. I took the first job that I could get. I was a receptionist for a couple of um, financial guys that owned the building that we were in. And we were on the top floor and they had tenants throughout the building. And I, my, I was a receptionist. I answered the phones and I took on opening the mail and filing and light clerical work. And I, um, in taking the phone calls every single day from the tenants in the building, I realized that there are two things that everybody complains about in an office and it's the temperature of the building and it's the cleaning service. Mm -hmm. And I used to look around and one day when I was opening the mail and I saw that they really weren't doing a quality job. And I opened the mail one day and I saw what they were paying the other cleaning company. And, you know, my husband and I being newly married, we didn't have a savings. Um, We lived paycheck to paycheck and I was not really making very much at all. Um, So I had a little idea and I thought, you know, how hard can this be? How hard can it be to clean a building every night? So I took the invoice to them and I said, listen, pay me what you pay them and you'll never have any complaints in this building. And I tell people, plus that I was the one answering the phone. So I was pretty sure they weren't going to get so they said, well, Cheryl, if you can do this every night without it affecting your day job, we'll let you do it and we'll pay you what we pay them. So great. 
And, you know, it's those four words. I went to them and I said, I can do this. And it's really those four words that kind of changed the course of my life. I had never dreamed of getting into the cleaning business. I didn't even keep my room clean when I was growing up, you know, so it was kind of odd. Now I I became a a neat freak, but at the time I really didn't, you know, I, I really didn't know what I was getting into. So every night at five o'clock, I would change my clothes and I would clean the entire building. It was a four-story building. I worked till about 11 o'clock at night. Um, I got pregnant with my first son at 21 years old. I took a very short maternity leave and my um, ex-husband, at that point, he stepped in to clean the building and he very quickly reminded me this was not something he wanted to pursue in life. Um, but I really did enjoy it. And I saw, I saw the, you know, that I was making people happier and that they weren't complaining. And, you know, and I thought I could really make a business of this. So I started getting some referrals and getting some additional buildings. And then I, that's how I started Elite. Um, It started with me doing everything. And then about six months into it, I thought, well, if I'm going to make a business of this, I really need to give them my notice. And I gave the owners of the building my notice and I would spend my days doing sales calls, going door to door. There was no internet. We had yellow pages. That was it. Um, and the first year I was supposed to be let put in the yellow pages. They, they got, they skipped me and left me out. And oh, I had, that oh. meant I had to work even harder. Um, so I'd oh. go door to door selling and I would do payroll and I would do ordering of supplies. And then I would, as when my child was born, I would feed bathe them, put them to bed. And then I'd go back out there and clean at night. And it was exhausting. Again, it was not anything I ever dreamed of doing. Um, I know more about toilet paper and trash than I care to know. (laughs) And I mean, I could write a book just on the things that happened over the years in cleaning buildings. Um, From one night having, um, trying to throw trash bags in a dumpster over our head because we couldn't get the side gate open. And one bag opened midair um, and it wasn't office trash. It was the kitchen trash and oh. on my coworker and I, and, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, Oprah's got these aha moments and mine are almost, they're not aha. I don't, you know, they're more like, uh-oh, like <laughs> moment, you know, and I just remember thinking, wow, this is definitely not where I thought my life would be. Um, what I would be doing in life. And um, so, you know, it was that moment where I, I was examining my career choice, but at the same time, I really did love what I was doing and making a difference out there. Oh, wow. I, I can't even, I can't even imagine, but for someone at your age, at your young age to be able to, you know, first of all, there's a, there's a level of enthusiasm, I think at, at, at a young age that, that we that gets a little bit tempered as we're older and maybe it shouldn't because there are opportunities to be found everywhere and i think that's the lesson here you know we we often think about what our dream is and sometimes when you're so focused on what your dream is you miss this incredible opportunity that's right in front of your face so i think we have to kind of find a nice balance between okay here's my dream but what in my reality can allow me to maybe fulfill the dream with a few tweets. Right. And it sounds like that's what you did. Yeah. You know, there was a time that I almost left that job to go work for another, um, to go work for an attorney. And I thought, had I done that, I might not have seen this opportunity in front of me. 
I might mm -hmm. not have, have had the, the nerve and believe me, it took a lot of courage just to even go to them and pitch my idea to them and say, I, I can do this. Um, what experience do you have? None, you know, but I felt like I could do that. Like, I didn't think it was that hard. Didn't anticipate how labor intensive it is. And it, it gives me a lot of respect for my employees who do this day in and day out. And mm -hmm. some of them work all day long and they do this at night to make ends meet, put kids through college. It is hard work, you know? And so it's given me a lot of respect for the employees out there that I have. And I, I know how hard they work every single night. You know, I want to point out something that Mary Fran and I, for some reason, we have been talking, I guess, because my week has been a little crazy getting back out in the world. We've been talking about this this week, and you are a perfect testament to this. When you're working in your brilliance and you're going after, whether it's a dream or a brilliant idea you have, I believe we all have been, I mean, I'm 50 and I've been conditioned over 50 years that when you are doing what your purpose is, it's supposed to be this Oh, lightning fast, easy breezy road, because that's your purpose. And if you have things come in the way, hurdles, barriers, you might want to rethink it because that's the universe telling you that you're on the wrong path. And it's, it's the exact opposite. What I'm realizing is when you are really on the verge of things and in your brilliance, all these other things are going to try to derail you. And when you just keep going, the way it opens up is unbelievable, but I don't know why we, the, the world has conditioned us the other way, but it's, it's very odd that this, that we're talking today about this when we have just been discovering this all week. Well, I'll tell you, um, I talk to a lot of women. I speak, do a lot of public speaking in women's groups and I talked to them about my journey and I said, it's not like the ladder to success. First of all, there's no ladder to success. You have to take every single step. You, there's, you can't just rise to the top in anything you do, but it's a lot of determination, a lot of grit. And I describe my journey more like a lattice. You know, I had things that derailed my career. Um, I didn't go as fast as I wanted to in my career, thinking that I should be so much further ahead. I had a sick child. I had a child with a lot of medical conditions that I had to focus on. I had to kind of take a step to the side when I was going through my divorce. And there have been things along the way that have caused me to take a step back and say, okay, I'm not going to get there as fast as I want. But I try to relay that to women, that this is your own journey. This is your mm -hmm. own race. Mary Fran, like you say, we 15 minutes at a time, you know, and sometimes it's okay to be fine. And like, like you said, and I tell women, sometimes good is good enough. I think we can do anything we want, but we can't be great at everything. But I think the pressure sometimes that we put on ourselves um, is, is enormous. And I think we need to let ourselves off the hook and understand that it's okay to go to the side and focus on what might be your priority, whether it's your child at that point in time, and they need you more than that business needs you or that that personal professional goal needs you. I think so. that is so profound because we, we experience as women, particularly such an enormous amount of guilt. Absolutely. Whether, and it doesn't matter what we're doing is even if we're doing it really well, we're always guilty about the thing we're not doing. <laughs> I, I, I agree. It's just, Oh my gosh, too, it's just know? so overwhelming to, you know, to constantly be feeling like you're not measuring up, but you have 
so hit the nail on the head. And thank you so much for referencing that 15 minute master, because even I forget it sometimes. Sometimes you just have to live in that 15 minute space and figure out what do I need to do right now? Exactly. Just right now, what is that one thing that I can do? And recognize that at the end of the day, that's all we get to do. Make one decision at one moment in time and do one thing and then see Absolutely. where it takes us next. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Yeah. yeah. We were even um, recently, Mary Fran and I were talking about that 15 minutes also in terms of stop looking 15 miles ahead, 15 months ahead, like a lot of, and because that's where I get into the overthinking and the stress. And, and like you said, I'm not going fast enough. I don't have enough results. And then I was finding also with, with kids with special needs, you know, then there's a transition in life. We move and now I got to rebrail the house and reorient them. And I'm thinking, but I also had this book coming out and you start to, your head is going to explode instead of taking that step back. That's what I learned to do last year. I don't know if it was it was if it was about to turn 50 or I was going to just have a nervous breakdown and had to just stop doing that in right. my life but I was like, well, I'm going to do the best I can do today and I'm not going to look the 15 years, 15 miles ahead and what can I do in little chunks today to keep moving forward and with my kids being the the top priority at that time. Absolutely. Um, you know, there there's even in the last couple of years, I've learned to do that even more so to live in the present, to be in the present, to be intentional, because I have big goals and I have big dreams and I, I, I know I will achieve them and I am confident with that. But at the same time, I need to live in the present. I need to be thankful for what I have and to be, to make sure that I'm paying attention to what's in front of me, you know, stopping and smelling the roses rather than looking 15 miles down the road or, you know, uh, 15 years down the road. And it's good to plan and that's all mm -hmm. responsible. But I'll tell you, you know, um, about two years ago, my brother was diagnosed with esophageal cancer mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we fought really, really hard. He fought so hard and um, we made choices. And again, comes down to choices that you make in life, choices to live in the present, choices to spend that time with your family, with the people that you love, prioritizing like your child. And um, about a year ago, last month or last couple, last couple weeks in April, we lost my brother and, um, and, and, but we chose, we were very intentional. We chose to spend time with them, quality time with them. And I'm so glad that we did. And I have to remind myself of that constantly. When I get an opportunity to go see my parents, I'm not wasting that opportunity. I want to go do that because I don't, you know, I, I tell women when I speak to them, we don't know when all this is going to end. We don't know where we're going to end up and we don't know when it's going to end. So I don't want regrets. I want to make sure that I, I am doing what I need to do. I'm spending the time with my family. I'm still being responsible is for my professional career. You know, I'm still pursuing the dreams I want, but more of living in the moment, making sure I don't waste those opportunities to be with my loved ones. Yeah, that, that is, it's so enormously important that we, you know, we talk about balance as women and I'm not so sure that exists. <laughs> in any form of reality, but perhaps the balance just has to be within you. Like what, what Kristen and I talk about values all the time. And I think that's where this starts. Figure out what your value system is and make your decisions based on that. 
And, and you can have two big values, your family and your business, but be willing to recognize that that is going to mean that your priorities may shift at any given time. And that's okay. And the other thing I wanted to, to jump in on was when you talked about how, you know, things didn't always go the, the way you planned, Kristen and I talk about, you can't be married to outcomes. You mm. just, you have to put the, the action out there, put the intention out there, as you said, plan. But then you have to be aware of whatever evolution and whatever other variables are going to come at you and be able to evolve with that. So how did that happen? You know, in your life, you referenced your daughter and your divorce and all that. Those are not things you count on. No. um, As a matter of fact, with my daughter, you know, there was time where we didn't know what was wrong. We didn't know what, you know what the outcome was going to be. And so I think living in that fear of the unknown and not knowing what's going to happen is probably the worst place to be in. Um, Sometimes when you know what you're dealing with, you can plan and you can have an expected outcome, right? But it it doesn't always mean that's going to be the outcome, but at least you have an expected outcome or you can look forward to that. Um, With my daughter, when we started identifying the issues that were taking place with her, We had a great children's hospital right here in Delaware that we were able to um, access wonderful doctors. And we started dealing with all of the issues that were going on with my daughter. So we had a plan, Um, spent a lot of time at the children's hospital. So you see the bad side of things that that Mm -hmm. happen there. And you realize, you know, kind of puts things into perspective for you. You you say, okay, you know what? I'm really fortunate because these are life altering things, but they're not life threatening things. Mm. And so it helped me deal with the issues that we were dealing with, with the divorce, a little scarier. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I had never been through that. And, uh, and there was no roadmap for that. That was, here's what to expect. And this is what's going to happen. Um, it threatened my financial security, um, and threatened my company, the existence of my company, whether or not we were going to be able to survive financially, it was very scary. And, you know, I, I just had to learn to pivot, to um, change my thinking, um, to try to make, to make the best decisions, the wisest choices, um, and listen to the people that, you know, that I had hired to handle it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Um, and there's so many things in that, in that, what you're talking about with, with health and divorce and all of those massive life changes that you just, as I look back now on my divorce and, and the, the health stuff with my boys, you don't have control over hardly any of it. And I had to like, I love that you, you talk about the word choice and that's the title in your book. You just have to choose the things that you can control can have an impact on, can get you through the next 15 minutes. And what I also learned was that I was making those choices with the, the best that I had to offer. Cause then I would, you know, then you could Monday morning quarterback yourself forever, but it's just, you're, when you're showing up and when, when Mary Fran really got this concept to me about the core values, realizing when I started aligning with when I really started thinking about core values, it just, because I had so many decisions to make and I was scared out of my mind then I'm like, okay, well, at least I have some starting point. I'll make the choice from, cause this is important to me. I will sit on the couch with Carissa and have nachos and queso instead 
of folding that laundry because this girl is 17 and wants to snuggle and that's not going to happen forever. Right. Right. So those choices. And then I don't, then I didn't feel guilty on Monday when I was three hours late getting home from DC. And she was like, I'm good. I got the dogs. I, I studied. I'm going to bed. You know, it's, it's when you do those value things and make the choices that you can with the information you have, it's the best you can do. Well, we are, you're absolutely right about the core values and we're big on core values in my company. I established those um, years and years ago. And, you know, I, I feel like with your core values, it kind of is, they're the guidelines that you operate under. They're the guidelines that you make choices. And they're the guidelines for the people that you have on your team. And you mm-hmm. want to make sure that you're all aligned, that you're all operating by your core values because you're going to make your decisions based on those. And you start to see when people that you have on your team aren't really aligned with your core values, they start bumping up against those guardrails, so to speak, and it becomes very obvious. So it's extremely important to have the core values really with your company and as, as a cornerstone. We, um, we have a, we can we call him our friend, Rob Angel, who created Pictionary, mm-hmm. when we talked to him, um, he actually said that that was one of the main things that was so important to him in building his team of people was to have, uh, you know, companies have mission statements and all that kind of stuff, but it has to really reflect the place from which you operate from your value system. And when everybody's not aligned with that, as you said, that's that's when you start to get those bumps in the road. And that's when you start to, to find that conflict. So it's just so essential that we're not talking about skills. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the place where you're operating from has to be in alignment with your, your people and your goals. And it really does, as Kristen said, makes it so much easier then to make decisions. Absolutely. Does this resonate with us? Because sometimes, you know, you're also going to have that client or potential client that does not resonate with your core values. And you might have to be willing to walk away from that. Have you had that experience? Absolutely. Um, you know, you never want to fire a client. Um, mm-hmm. That's not my goal. And uh, it's to continue to grow. But I'll tell you what, I have had to fire some clients and I have had to make those tough decisions that possibly this isn't good business for us. You know, not everything is good business. And we've had to make those tough decisions in our company as well. Good business doesn't always equal a contract. Sometimes good business means I'm going to turn this down so I don't go insane and (laughs) want to kill somebody. Absolutely. (laughs) There's a lot of different reasons. (laughs) But yes, you're right. So. So the book is about choices, as Kristen said. Right. So I, first of all, I love, I love the title. Choices change everything. Choose to get up when life knocks you down. And one of the first things that Kristen and I talk about in being brilliantly resilient is making the choice, making the decision that you are just visiting your place of challenge. You're not going to unpack your bags and live there. You know what? I had a moment um, in my book. It's called The Meltdown. It's the chapter on meltdown. And um, and it wasn't a small one. Uh, I remember one day, um, in the midst of my divorce, just collapsing on my, my um, closet floor and just sobbing and crying and saying, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm facing $92,000 in legal bills. Um, I, my company is a marital asset. 
he did not have an equitable, he did not have a legal interest in my company, but he had an equitable interest via the marriage. It was considered a marital asset. I was having to have my company evaluated and, and pay half of the value of my company. I was facing, which I, I was facing permanent alimony, um, giving him half the value of the, the home and the contents, which those two things were fair. They were joint. Those were monumental to me. And I remember collapsing on the floor thinking, I cannot make it through this. How am I going to do this? And, you know, when you sit there in a moment of a meltdown and you're by yourself, you know, it takes a few minutes to realize nobody's coming to get you up. <laughs> there's no, there's no rescue. Um, it was at that moment that different things started to go in through my mind. You know, my daughter needed more surgery. My son was in college. How was I going to pay for that? I had employees that were very loyal to me, that worked for me for years, families that have worked for me for years. Their mm -hmm. livelihoods depended on me surviving and this business surviving. I needed to be able to financially survive, to be able to support my children. So there was a moment in time where I had to make that choice to get up, you know, and I realized at that point, no one controls my happiness, my destiny, my goals, or my dreams, but me. It is nobody else's choice. It is my choice. And it was that moment in, on the floor that I made that choice to, to get up at, at that point and make my own decisions and not let it be controlled by my circumstances. Wow. I know how hard that was, sister. <laughs> I've been on that closet floor. <laughs> right? <laughs> I think everybody has a moment like that or moments like that. And, and I think it's really important to note that that doesn't mean that that decision, you're suddenly going to be, you know, the, 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 the angels are going to come down and put the answers in your head. But as we have found Kristen and I in going through just, just the, you know, on a much less dramatic level, just the changes that we have had to go through in building brilliantly resilient, because it started out as one thing and now it's something completely different Right. That it does set your mind in a different direction. And that is where all of these solutions start. You have to get out of thinking, this is a disaster. This is the end. And, and say, okay, this is temporary. How do we get out of this? And that doesn't mean you're going to find the solution in a moment, but it right. does get your brain working towards that goal as opposed to staying in the pit, as Kristen right. calls it. You can't stay there. You, the, the point is getting up and at least facing that adversity or that challenge in life, making decisions, not putting your head in the sand and going, oh, let's pretend this isn't happening. And maybe this <laughs> the is land of magical away. thinking. You know, this right? isn't happening. Um, nobody's going to save you. So it's, it's a matter of at least getting up and making those choices. You got to face it. You've got to make the choices. And so I think that's what trying to relay in my book to women too, is, is not to give up, make those choices, make your own choices. You know, and I would also add, and I know that you, you saw my TED talk, I would also add that there are times like when I was having my meltdown um, over the diet, Michael's blindness diagnosis, there are times when I could not make the choice to get up off my floor, but I did make the choice to look at it differently. I made the choice to ask Michael that day why he was so darn happy when I saw his life being so horrible. Right. And when he said, isn't this the best day ever? 
What I realized too, is that my son li has lived in gratitude from the time he right. was born. So now when I'm having those on the floor moments, I go to gratitude. What? Okay. I can't get up yet. This is not working out. Oh my God. Dating in your fifties. What? Oh, yeah. and I'm like, this is not where <laughs> I, I want it to that. be, <laughs> but I am grateful for, you know, I am grateful for, I do have this and I'm, th and then it gets me like Mary Fran said, that first step in, in the direction of making that choice and then creates the momentum. So for people that are listening to think, well, I'm in the pit and I can't, I just don't have it in me to make the choice. Start from gratitude, start from seeing it some other way. And then it starts to happen. Kristen, I, I just, I was talking at a, a women's event last Thursday and I told people, I said, very same thing you're talking about, make a list of everything you're grateful for, because sometimes in the midst of adversity, you forget. And I'll tell you where my moment was just like your moment. Um, I was at the hospital and I saw the kids that were not coming home and it, for a while I was in this mindset of why my daughter, why is all this stuff happening to her? You know, why does she have to, to deal with all of this? This isn't fair. And then I went to the hospital and I saw the terminally ill children and that was my switch. I said, Oh, wait a minute. I should be grateful that we are only dealing with what we are dealing with and that eventually things will be okay. But at least I will have my daughter. And I didn't there are parents that can't say that in the mm -hmm. hospital. And that, that was my moment of, of turning to gratitude. And you're right. That's what you have to kind of look at. I tell, I'll tell you, I tell women, make a list, put it on your nightstand for those moments where you start going into a meltdown or you start having those moments where you're feeling like the world is crumbling. Mm. It's so essential that we recognize even the small things that, we just take for granted. I mean, you know, I'm looking at this, this world picture now and my husband and I often say, well, thank God we're not, you know, in Ukraine, those people, those people cannot do anything where we are for the most part, for the most part, you can usually make at least one decision, one small decision, one small action that will move you forward. And again, Kristen and I say this all the time, big problems we think they require big solutions you never get the big solution you get the incremental step by step by step mm -hmm. and that's where it starts with that change in perspective and with being grateful and with thinking what is one single thing that i can do today to make it a little bit better that's right absolutely right you said it very well <laughs> Gee, that's unusual <laughs> i don't always see things very well <laughs> So your book is about making those choices. It is about giving hope. Um, and it is about recognizing, I think, that the fulfillment of your dreams may not exactly look like what you thought it was going to look like. Right. And like, how important was that in your journey? Like, was there ever a point where you were like, I, what am I doing? I'm cleaning buildings and like filling toilet paper rolls. What am I doing? Did you ever think that? Oh, I, I thought that many times, uh, <laughs> you know, especially when things would happen, um, you know, or when I'm cleaning over a weekend or cleaning at night, thinking I, I should be doing something much different. Um, yeah, it was, it, it definitely wasn't what I dreamed about as, as a little girl. Um, 
you, you probably know, wanted to be an actress or a model. I mean, I think every little girl wants to be that. And that was not you know, this. I, I always wanted to be a doctor. That was oh, good for what you. I loved. I'd watch surgeries on TV and, and medical shows. I loved it. Um, but I didn't, you know, obviously that's not the course that I took, but I'll tell you, I look back on it now and I say, I love what I did. Um, I'm very happy. I'm very content. Um, somebody recently asked me, what is your, your definition of success? And I think success is being content in what you've chosen in life to do. Um, and, and success is defined so differently for, for so many women. I think whatever choice you make and whatever dream you follow, whatever makes you happy in life, that's success to you. And um, I'm very happy with what, with what I chose to do. I every day get to wake up and go, wow, what else can we do? And, and, um, and how can we um, grow this company? And, you know, I see the development of people in my company and, and what they contribute and it's very rewarding. So I'm very happy with the choices I've made. I have Didn't to tell you, I'm, I'm going to have in my mind now, when I think about your success, when I see your, your posts and your book going far and wide, I'm going to remember that moment of the trash all falling on your head. <laughs> and remember yeah. that there are things yeah. that happen on the road to glamour. I always say on the road right. to glamour, there's a dumpster because I was, I was, when I was moving <laughs> last year, me and one of my best friends were trying to get all this stuff out of my Jeep and into a dumpster. And I had to stand in the dumpster to pull it right when I got a call to be on this like cover of this lifestyle magazine. And I'm like, <laughs> I thought it was my kid's school. And I'm like, could you hold on for just a moment? <laughs> to take the call. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, what I didn't tell you about that dumpster night that was even funnier, you know, you know, you, you have these moments, you're like, should I cry or should I laugh? Which one, what, which one is this going to be? Um, I happened to look over at my uh, partner in crime that night, the girl that I was cleaning the buildings with. And apparently as the trash was going over our head, she must have been screaming or opening her mouth or something because the kitchen coffee grounds were all in her teeth. And, and I just remember thinking, this is actually now funny. You know, um, I don't know that she thought it was so funny and we were exhausted. We couldn't even go like you couldn't go home and go to bed. You had to shower to get all of everybody's oh lunch. Off God, so so we could write a book on just the things that have happened in the cleaning industry and things we've encountered. And it would be oh pretty funny. God. Well, the road to success great. is certainly um, colorful. Let's yeah. let's just say that it's it's colorful and it doesn't always look like what you want it to look like. So just be prepared to oh, not I'm be married good. to outcomes and make good choices. <laughs> Don't we say that to our kids? Make good choices. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I always tell my staff, you know, let's not make the same mistakes again. Let's make new mistakes, you know? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Let's in our teeth again. <laughs> no more That's coffee awesome. grinds. Cheryl, this has been a wonderful conversation. I knew mm -hmm. I wanted to hear your story when I, when I came across you and um, it's been very interesting and fun to talk about and just really hit on so many of the things that we talk about in being brilliantly resilient about, you know, knowing that you're not, you're not living in that place of challenge, making the decision to move forward and look at it differently and not being married to outcomes and look what can happen in your life. So Absolutely. tell everybody about the book and where we can find out more about you. 
So the name of the book is Choices Change Everything. Choose to get up when life knocks you down. You can find it on Amazon, but if you go to my website at www.cherylecton.com, there's a link there that will take you right to the book. Also, if you want me to speak at any events, um, there's you can go right to the website and book that as well. Awesome. awesome. Well, this has been delightful. I'm going to turn it over to my partner in crime because she always tells everybody the things that I forget. So <laughs> on to you. Well, make sure you go in and get the book and, and leave a review for Cheryl on Amazon. And um, if you are still thinking about how to reset and you need to find the funny and the fun and the brilliance in the stuff when life knocks you down, go to our website, brilliantlyresilient.net, blink three times. And a magic window appears where you just have to put your email in and we will send you a bit of brilliance every week to keep moving in the right direction. We'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.